Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thank you, O oh God, for your goodness. We give you thanks, Lord, that the life that you have uh, authored for us, Lord, the life that you have written, like Moses and David said, Lord, what you have written about me in the heavens, let it come to pass upon the earth, Lord. While other people are indifferent to that message, while other people do not care to know what you have written about them, Lord, Father, you have prepared a body for us that we might live according to the call of God upon our life, that which is written in the heavens about us. We're not a mistake. We are not an accident. We're not here amongst a multitude to be another one, O oh God. But, Father, the one that you have called into this world to make a difference to our family, to our friends, to our brothers and our sisters, and allow us to become the real thing, Lord, the authentic masterpiece of your work here upon the earth through your grace, through your spirit, through obedience, through passionate pursuit of your desire, Lord, that your pleasure be done upon the earth through my life, through my thoughts, through my words, that I be encouraged through the spirit that encourages me, that I would have, Lord, no indifference and apathy, Lord, but that I would be charged and entrusted with a mighty, abundant life that you have given me in Christ, Lord. You have redeemed me with a precious price, Lord, the value that surpasses so much, O oh God. You have showed my worth to you, O oh God. Now, Father God, that I might go and reach to others, that they might also find their authenticity, in you, O oh God, the, the reality of life, O oh God. And let your word this morning be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit as we are transformed into the likeness of your glory. And Father, prosper your word in our hearts and in our lives that we might hide it in our hearts that we not sin against you. Remove all stupidity, all duplicity, all hypocrisy, O oh God. And that we might find authenticity and genuineness and the real thing that we might pursue it in this world and become your lights, O oh God. Become, Father God, your messengers, your servants upon the earth, Lord. Remove the spirit and the nature of Satan from our hearts, all lies, all deceit, all deception. And prosper your spirit in, in our lives, Father God, that our lives might Show forth to others, Lord, the reality of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. It was uh, many moons ago that we had seen a Disney film called Pinocchio. I don't know how many of you remember that, but in that little film, he's uh, in pursuit of being a real child. And I think there's a serious crisis in the body of Christ with a lot of people that think they're pursuing the reality of being sons of God only to find out they're a bunch of jackasses. They're a bunch of donkeys. They're rebellious. They mock. They make fun. They don't know. They're walking in the direction of becoming children of God in the wrong direction. The Bible says that these people have gone off course. And they're so off course, they're shipwrecked. And they become not the fulfillment of God's plan, but they become a disaster in their mocking, rebellion, and following the wrong crowd in the wrong direction. Let's watch this little video clip because I want to remind you what was in that film that we might have missed many years ago. But this young man in the pursuit to becoming a real child became and was becoming a jackass. 
where all the donkeys come from. Come on, come on, let's have another. And what's your name? Aww. Okay, you do. In you go. You boys will bring a nice price. <laughs> all right, next. And what might your name be? Alexander. So you can talk. Y yes, sir. I want to go home to my mama. Take him back. He can still talk. Please, please. I don't want to be a joke. Let me out of here. Quiet. You boys have had your fun. Now pay for it. Boys? So that's what... Pinocchio! <laughs> Hear that beetle talk? You'd think something was gonna happen to us. Conscious. Nah, fooey. Where's he get that stuff? How do you ever expect to be a real boy? What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> hey, you laugh like a donkey. <laughs> Did that come out of me? Oh. You guys remember the scene and the most horrific thing that could ever happen is us being called to be sons of God. We turn out as a bunch of rebellious and we're off course and, and, and we don't, we're not transformed into the likeness of Christ. So I've named this message World Changing Authenticity. It's been the crisis in the world since day one and we see it all through the scriptures. Um, so much so that in John chapter 3 verse 1, we find one of the religious leaders of Christ's time, one of the Pharisees, a man named Nicodemus. He was a ruler amongst the Jewish people. He had no clue what it was to be a real son of God. And Jesus says in verse 10, he says, aren't you supposed to be a leader in these affairs and you don't know what you're supposed to and you don't know these things? Aren't you, don't you know what a son of God is? Don't you know what a man that is filled with the Spirit of God, what his aspirations are, what his priorities are, what his life shows forth? And there was such a mixture in those times that they didn't have a clue what it was. Even a rich young ruler in Matthew 19, verse 16, comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to become uh, one of these, uh, uh, to attain to eternal life? What is a real Christian? He says, behold, one uh, came to him saying, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might have this promise of God? 
And so um, a lot of people appeared in the times of Jesus to be walking in the direction of the heart of God only to not be the real thing. And, and there's a, a serious concern, not only in my heart, there should be in your heart, that you are a real Christian. And what does that mean? And that you love God for real. And what does that mean? And that you, you are a manifestation to be an example to other people to become the real thing. Because we're living in a very messed up time where you can do about anything you want and call yourself a Christian. I met a man yesterday who left his wife, he left his 8-year-old daughter, he left his 17-year-old son, uh, he left his church, and he goes to another church, and he has his girlfriend, and I'm a Christian. You're no more a Christian than I am a jackass. You are no more a Christian than, than somebody who's walking totally contrary to the heart of God can call himself a Christian. And so Jesus, you know, we, we think that Jesus is this type of guy that is going to allow anybody to come in his presence, anybody to come to church and say, I'm a Christian. And yet we see in Matthew 23, the real Jesus, the authentic Jesus is going around giving the harshest rebuke to who? To those he calls pretenders. Matthew 23, 13. It's a whole, it's a whole, uh, uh, years ago I, I preached a, I preached a sermon that's called a servant of God. Listen to this. Servant of God or a serpent of God. And in this chapter 23, Jesus is delineating the line between those that are true servants and those that are a brood of viper. He calls them generation of vipers. Nature of Satan, he was saying. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, we usually hear that from worldly people saying, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. But the truth of the matter is, there are no greater hypocrites than those in the world that fail to recognize the truthfulness of God and the truthfulness of their creation, manifested to bring God the glory. Not to walk in the world and to be like the world. The Bible says that if you like the world, you walk in the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You don't love Dad. See, the prodigal son went to the world. The prodigal son felt well in that, in that away from the father reality. But if you've been born of God, you love the father. Amen. You love the father. You're not in the pig pen. You're not with the pigs. You're not with the donkeys. You're not in rebellion. You're not in indifference and disobedience. And so let's get into that real quickly. It says Matthew 23, verse 13, the first time he says, Woe to you, those of you who pretend to be believers and leaders amongst God. Believer. Um, the Amplified says pretenders, and he calls them the word hypocrites. Why does he use the word hypocrite? If you look into the origins of that particular word, he says, you guys are a bunch of theater guys. What's a hypocrite? In the Greek theater, they used to wear masks that used to um, allow for your voice to echo and, and pronounce loudly what you were saying. And he says, you guys go around with a mask on, you're not for real, and you go around saying things that are not a reality to you. You guys are in disguise. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You close the door. And it says, for you neither go in yourselves. You're talking about you're a Christian, but you don't go into Christianity. 
You talk about loving God, but you don't go into doing what people who love God do. And so we, we have a whole bunch of people. They don't go to church. They don't love the people. They don't serve God. They don't serve Sunday school. They don't serve in the house of God, and they say they're Christians. He says, you close the door. You neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow others to enter. Because if they were to follow your footsteps, they wouldn't go to serve God. They wouldn't go to live a Christian life. Uh, you remember that old bumper sticker? If somebody tried to prove you're a Christian in court, could they prove it? What would be the evidence that they would be able to prove that you go around being a Christian? And so we see here in verse 14, he tells them again. This is second time. He's very repetitive in this. Woe to you, scribes, you Pharisee, hypocrites! For you devour the homes of widows. What is the home of a widow? Where there's no man. There's no man in the house of a widow. And so the Bible says many times when we forsake our manhood, our women are like widows. They are going about unhusbanded without somebody taking care, grooming them, making them fruitful. For a pretense, make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation, pretending. Verse 15, again, he says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, you bunch of theater people. You disguise yourself in masks, you hypocrites. You travel far away to win a, a, a convert for the Lord. But if he were to follow your example, he would be twice more the son of hell. He would be twice condemned. You know, to know Christ and not live like Christ is a true indictment to our lives and so we're talking about authenticity um, verse 25 he says it again woe to you scribes you pharisees you pretenders you clean the outside of the cup but on the inside you're full of rebellion you're full of that which the devil steals you grasp in self-indulgence you're living for yourself a real christian lives for others it's not about me, myself, and I. It's about God, others, and then I see the reality in my life as I enjoy the work of God in my heart. In verse 26, he says, You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup. Take God on the inside so that the outside might be a reality. Again, duplicity. Uh, a double mindset. You're playing on two fields. Woe to you! Every time he says, whoa, this is judgment. Sacra, scribes and Pharisees, you pretenders. Verse 27, he says, you are hypocrites. For you wash the outside of the tomb, but outwardly you're beautiful. You think everybody thinks you're a Christian. But inwardly, there's no, listen to me, there needs to be an inner relationship with Christ on the inside. When that is a reality, people see the outside reflecting that reality. Uh, years ago, a, a, a a man was coming here to church, and he says, Pastor, I don't know why on Sunday I feel like being somewhere else and not in the house of God. I said, so, you know why? Because you haven't invited God on the inside. Once he's on the inside and you serve him in your heart, the outside is a reflection of the inside. I want to tell you a little secret. What we see here at church is just the tip of the iceberg of the reality of people's lives. So whenever you see somebody just a little bit in church, you see the, the, the outside underneath the water, the iceberg effect is huge outside. He says, outside you appear beautifully. Inside you're full of dead man's bones. And then um, we see there in verse 29, again he says, there is those pretenders, those that um, uh, pretend that are hypocrites. Woe to you. Because you build the tombs of prophets. If it were up to you, you would close down the church. 
If it was up to you, there would be no church. If it was up to you, you'd tell that pastor, shut up, pastor. We don't want to hear this message. Change the channel. We don't want to hear that we're not true Christians. We want to continue to pretend. Well, I'm here to just to share God's heart with you. And we've seen throughout this whole chapter, the real Jesus is not interested in hypocrites. How many say amen? He's not interested in fakers, pretenders, posers. Those that have an appearance but aren't the real thing. And so um, we see that this world is calling out. The cry of this world is there's no reality in what's going on. So thus, reality television. We said that the other night. There's about 40 programs. Reality this, the reality that, reality that. And the truth of the matter, there's only one reality and it's Christ. Only one. There's only one real story. And God loves you and gave his son for you. And he sent his son that you might transfer from death to life. From, from that horrible void. The disorder of everything, only because of one reason. We have not taken God serious. We have not come to Christ who says, I am the way. When he used the word truth, it's the Greek word reality. Reality. And so Pilate was confused because we live in a world where everybody's confused. And he says, what is truth? Back then they had issues with that. And listen to me. I've had all sorts of Christian relationships throughout my 29, 28 years of Christianity. I want to tell you something. I don't care who's fake. I'm interested in me being real. And I'm pressing into the reality of Christ. I'm not going to look at a fake and say, they're not real, man, so that's why I'm not real. Well, that's great for you, my friend. You are just much a hypocrite than all those that you're sad about not being true because you have not become the reality God desires. And so the expression of a real Christian, there is not, listen to me, I love men of God. I don't know, I, I love men of God. That's why my friends are all men of God. And I'll call them, and I'll be on the phone with them, and I'll go visit them, and I'll invite them over, and I'll spend time with them. There's a, a lady in this church. Her name is Clarita. I'll spend three hours on the phone with her. You want to know why? And she's an elderly lady. She's 80 years old because she's the real thing. She's authentic 24-7. She got connected to the throne of God. And I want to be around real people. And the issues I've had in my Christian walk is really having nothing to do with those people who feign. Those people who are fakers. Those people who stand for nothing. They don't stand for Christ. And let me tell you something. When Christ hung on that cross, he was making a statement, I mean what I say. I will give my life and my blood for, for, for those people I love. I've come to do the work of God. I've come to be the real thing. He didn't run from the cross. He didn't run from the challenge to give his life for you. He paid it all on the line. So that's why I will give my life for Christ. I will live for his glory. I will be passionate in his pursuit. Listen to me. That does not mean perfection. The Bible says that we strive more and more to be perfect. We're going for the real thing, all it has. We don't want to sit there and hear these words in verse 32, Matthew 23 and, and verse 32. He wasn't calling them serpent, uh, servants. He was saying like this. Uh, let's back up a little bit. Verse 31. Therefore you are witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. People that are speaking the words of God on you and, and you've discounted it. I've seen that a lot uh, lately. Uh, parents who, who bypass taking the words of God's messenger serious, now the sons don't take the messengers of God serious. 
I don't believe in anybody who will come and bring a word of God. Let's go to verse uh, 33. Serpents. He wasn't calling them servants. Brood of vipers. How can you escape ending up in hell? How could you bypass? If you're on the direction of being a fake Christian, how will you ever get to heaven? Knowing that God is not into fakes. It doesn't matter if there's, there's just one in all the city. It doesn't matter. It needs to be you. It needs to be authentically you. You must fill yourself up with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the companions. David used to say this. These are my companions, those who fear the Lord. Those are my friends. I call, your, I call you friends because John 14, 14, he says, I can now call you friends because you share with me that which my Father has shared with you. I can call you friends. I can consider you guys my friends. Um, my companions in this travel. Now, so this is, this is the problem. This is the issue we face in modern times. 1 Timothy 1.1. And we, we start there, and Paul always giving himself a legitimate um, a title of who he is in God. He says, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, one who will take this message wherever I go and make Christianity the climate and the culture. What is the culture that you are taking? A friend of mine, who's a pastor, uh, one day I was talking to young people. They were, they were all playing rock and roll. And I said, you know something? That, that culture of rock and roll comes out of rebellion uh, in the 60s when people started saying, we don't want to be like our parents. We don't want to respect government. We want sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We, we want to identify with doing whatever we want. That's the rock culture. And so that, that permeated the culture, right? And so uh, this pastor says, well, Joaquin, don't be too harsh because I am a rocker too. I am a rocker. I said, my friend, that's not the saddest part about your life, that you're a rocker. The, the saddest part is that you're a pastor. And instead of dragging the culture of the 60s to the 90s and acting like Rod Stewart and all the Beatles and all the rockers, you are supposed to pull down the kingdom of heaven. You're supposed to bring down the order of righteousness, the passion of a, a kingdom that is joy, peace, and righteousness. You know, instead of dragging the 60s into the church and saying we are a rock and roll church. No, 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 my friend, listen to me. Bring the culture of heaven down to earth. There will be peace in your heart. There will be prosperity. When Madonna and Britney Spears kissed on national television, they were walking in the mindset of of saturating the conscience of this generation after perversion. Two girls that kiss just shocked the conscience of our generation teens. Little girls didn't even know that that was even. So now all the girls are taking pictures right next to each other, kissing. Almost, you know what? That's an abomination to God. That leaves a horrible example to the next generation. That's perversion. And you're not to imitate that. You're to bring something down from heaven to saturate the conscience of your culture and your generation for the glory of God. When you, next time you tell your friend, I got to ask my dad. Ask your dad? That sounds weird. What do you mean ask your dad? Yeah. See, in, in heaven, we believe if you honor mom and dad, everything happens to you will be peaceful. 
will be a blessing. And you will shock the conscience of your culture if you're an authentic Christian. If you live the word of God. So the problem is that in the midst of even a spiritual culture where people are pretending we don't see the real thing. We see that if we were to see the real thing, we would be in shock. And Jesus says, I, an apostle, I am saturating the culture with the climate of heaven. I was appointed and commanded by God and Jesus Christ. It says, by commandment of God, that's how I walk. My life is, is following after the commandments of God. Our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. He continues on to say these words. He says, um, my, uh, uh, the next verse, verse 2. Listen to what he has to say. Listen to me. Listen to me. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. Let me ask you a question. Why would he have to put true in front of son? Could there be some false sons? Could there be people that are not true sons? Those that do not keep to the track of their father. He says, to my true son, Timothy. Let me ask you something. If you're a Christian, I'm going to ask you this question. Because part of a, a, a certificate of authenticity, which is a COA, to be certified that you're authentic, you must have a spiritual father. Who's your spiritual father? Who do you listen to? Who do you respect? Who do you honor? Because Paul is saying, I have a true son. I have a relationship with a guy that <clears throat> he's able to listen to me. And so he says, to my true son, continues on in verse 3. As I urged you when I was on my way to Macedonia, stay where you are uh, at Ephesus in order that you might warn and admonish and charge individuals not to teach a different doctrine. Wait a second. If, if he's telling them not to teach a different doctrine, then what is a true doctrine? Because in the Bible, there were false teachers, there was a false gospel, there was a false Jesus. Could you believe that? He says, people are preaching another Jesus. They're preaching another gospel. They're teaching a different spirit. The Bible says in the book of Jude that men have crept in the church and are teaching a different grace. Oh, the grace of God. I could cheat, I could lie, I could steal, I, I could disobey, I could rebel, I could not go to church, I could not serve. And that grace is wonderful, amazing grace. Listen to me, that's a false grace. The grace that brings salvation is one that transforms you. Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11 says, the grace of God that brings salvation, it appears to all men. What's it do? Verse two, uh, 12. Teaching. It's a teaching grace. And what is teaching? You're learning. And what is teaching? You're being instructed. What's the opposite of instructed? Destructed. Instruction, destruction. What are you getting into? I don't let nobody teach me. I know it all. I do it all. And I'm an authority on all things. You are a hypocrite, my friend. You neither learn nor you teach others to learn. And if they were to learn your ways, they'd end up in a dead end on their way to hell. Teaching us to deny, listen to me, it teaches us to deny ungodliness. What's ungodliness? Things that are not from God. A grace that teaches you to stop what's not from God. We're learning this. We're being transformed by this grace. If we don't walk on those things that are not from God and deny worldly lusts. What are worldly lusts? The desires of the people in this world. You're chasing after people in this world? That's your example? Those are your heroes? Are you insane? 
Do you see where these people end up? Without family, without husbands, without children? You're crazy. So we need to say, Lord, bring in authenticity to our hearts. Let us deny ungodliness. The things, you know, what I usually do is I'll line up a hundred godly people and ask them, hey, what do you guys think about this? And it says, ah, we don't, we don't give that a thumbs up. We don't think that's from God. And that's the very point why people won't go to church no more. They don't want to hear these sermons. They don't want to hear about authenticity and reality and truth. But let me tell you something. There's a God in heaven. He says, I leave you the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you to all truth. So the only reason you would come to church anyways is because you love truth. You desire truth in your most inward parts because that's what God wants. He wants you to resound and be a genuine son of God, not to be trekked off into where rebels go. And the Bible says they will go where there is um, crying and gnashing of teeth, weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says, we, we, we see these things, verse 1 Timothy 1.4, not to give importance or to occupy ourselves with, with hearsay and myths and, and things that are unreal. Not giving, we're not, listen to me, we're not listening to these things because they're not realistic. Listen, we don't care. The majority of the churches nowadays, you can leave your wife, you can leave your husband, you can get married 500 times, and there is no problem, my friend. Well, guess what? There is a problem. Because God has a measure and a standard of authenticity, of accountability. He's going to say, don't go around representing my kingdom as a kingdom of disorder and unrighteousness. He says, these things only cause further dispute uh, rather than godly edification. It should be if we're in the real thing, we're growing up. We're, we're building something which is in faith. Now listen to this. He says the whole purpose, verse 5, the whole purpose of everything we do is authenticity, reality. If it's not real, what are we doing here? We're wasting our time. If I'm not getting to a better place that's more solid, more grounded, a refuge of joy and peace, he says now the purpose of the instruction, the purpose of preaching and teaching is to learn love from a pure heart. There's nothing more authentic than this. Real love from a real heart, from a conscience that is good, not twisted. And then he says, and from genuine, the word sincere, genuine faith, genuine walk with God, genuine spirituality. I don't believe this is true. Stick your hand in my side, Thomas. You doubting Thomas, press in to Christ. Press in to a, a better relationship with him. You will never regret it. Never. And so today we want to spend a little time on this aspect of a certificate of authenticity. How many want to walk out of here with that certificate, I'm the real deal? You've met a real son of God, not a jackass, not a, a rebel, not a stubborn donkey, not somebody who's kicking against the goats. Like God told Paul, he says, hey man, it's going to be a real hard thing for you to kick against the goats. And, and, you know, for some of us that we don't, we're not in farming land, we don't know what a goat is. Goat is a big, long staff that has a point on it. And it was supposed to direct the ox as he plowed the field. And some oxes were super stubborn. You know what they did? They kept on kicking that stick. Oh, pastor, get off me already. 
Leave me alone. I don't want to go the direction you're leading me. And so they were kicking. And who was getting hurt? The ox was getting hurt. Jesus told Paul, it's a hard thing for you to challenge me because I'm not moving. God's not moving to adjust you, to accommodate you, to allow you to go to hell. He's not moving. He's not going to move. You could kick till your leg falls off and bleeds. He's not moving. And so we, for a lack of, of adjusting ourselves away from things that hurt. How many know that change hurts? We know that. I'm going to change. I said, Lord, it hurts. Yeah, the cross hurts. Taking up your cross daily and denying yourself is like dying. It's like dying. So you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. And now you're not doing what you desire. You're doing what he desires. And I guarantee you that once you get your certificate of authenticity, you are worth more. Because until then, you're a fake. You're an imitation. You're a wannabe. You don't carry the genuine currency value. And that's where the word um, dokimos comes from. Dokimos, a Greek word, where Paul tells his people, 2 Corinthians 13, 15, he says, hey, why don't you check out your certificate of authenticity? Why don't you just go searching for it real on the inside to see if you're for real in your faith? Let's go ahead and read that real quickly. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine. Take a search. Go looking for the COA. That's a certificate of authenticity. Are you real? Are you real or are you a real fake? And he says, examine yourself to know whether or not. Listen, he's saying we need to find out if we're for real or not. We need to find that out. It would be a horrible thing. To think on that day to say, Lord, Lord. And he says, depart from me. I don't know you. You're a wannabe. You're a hypocrite. You didn't stand up for me. You didn't love what I loved. You didn't pursue what I told you to pursue. You didn't keep my commandments. You didn't walk in honor. You didn't walk in love. You weren't sincere. You weren't a real Christian. You're a fraud. You're a fake. He says, examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Second word. Examine, test. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ lives in you unless you are docimus? That's the Greek word, disqualified. Unless you do not have the currency value. How how many have ever run into a fake dollar bill and, and you try and buy something and say, excuse me, sir, this is not good. You cannot buy nothing with this. This has no value. It has no weight. It has no reality to it. This is a bunch of fakes. And what do we do with it? We throw it away. It's no good. It has nothing. It has no value. And so verse 6, he says, I know for a fact. I trust that you will know that we're not fakes. How could Paul say that? I could tell you how Paul said that. He says, I've given my life for the cross. I've been beaten. I've been abused. I've been abandoned. I've been, I've been cheated so many times, and I continue on pursuing the call of God upon my life. I want to show you this verse because it's very powerful. When he says like this, he says, look, you guys don't understand how I've suffered. How I've suffered for the cause of Christ. And we'll read that now in 2 
Corinthians 11.22. He says, those people going around, they, they consider themselves chosen Hebrews, so am I. They consider themselves Israelites from the people of God, so am I. They consider themselves seed of Abraham in faith, so am I. Verse 23. I'm all these things. Check, check, check. Are they ministers of Christ? Do they serve the Lord? I speak of, as a fool. For I serve Christ more. In serving God, more abundant. Nobody serves God more than me. Who's heard somebody say that? Remember Wellington Boone? He says, I'm not going to let my wife serve me more than I serve her. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to be her servant. So let me ask you something. If people were to get your COA and look at it and say, where do you serve? Um, I... uh, was in the parking lot of the church on Sunday. As I was going by, there was a napkin on the ground. I picked it up and threw it away. Oh, champion! Woo! That's a servant, Bubba. Oh, he, oh, he saved the day. Somebody could have slipped on that napkin. Let's give a big applause for that man. Wow, woo, servant. Are you kidding me? That's your resume for serving Christ? You know where we serve Christ, right? Can somebody please tell me before I go insane? The house of God. Don't say you're serving God somewhere when you don't serve in his house. This is the place we serve our God. And this is the place we show off our authenticity. I will bring a young person from Sunday school here and ask, have you ever seen that man? He'd been here 10 years. And that little kid would say, "Uh uh-uh, I've been here since I was born. I've never seen this guy do anything. I've never seen him. Sir, what's your name? Who's your pastor? I don't know your pastor because you're nothing like my pastor. I see my pastor every day. I see my pastor everywhere. I see my pastor passionate for his love of Christ. So he says, in labors, I more abundantly. In stripes, he says, in, in having people abuse me as I serve Christ, more than anybody. I could tell you war stories. The first pastor was gay. The second pastor was a womanizer. The third pastor was a thief. fourth pastor was a liar. Who cares? I am going to serve Christ. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to use these things as my justifications to become a fake, to become a false Christian. I want to receive, be received on that day that the Lord checks for our COA, Certificate of Authenticity. In, in stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequently. In death, I've even had to die. I have to die to, to wanting to kill somebody. Die to doing what, what I feel like doing. Verse 24. From the Jews five times, from my own people, I've received 40 stripes minus one. The guy lashing. Well, I remember once I went to a church and they did something to me. That was the last time they saw me. Well, very good, my friend. You are a non-authentic Christian. Non-authentic. Because an authentic Christian carries the marks of suffering for Christ. And nothing will discourage him from honoring and putting him at the forefront. Five, uh, five times, 40 strikes minus one. 40 was death. So it was 39. Five times he received 39 lashings. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. And it doesn't mean he was smoking drugs. He was stoned by, by stoning. We were in, in Mexico and we were doing some baptisms. 
And there came these stones. That was the first time I had ever almost been stoned. People throwing rocks at us because we were baptizing people in Mexico. How about you, my friend? How about you living the exciting life of dying for Christ? Oh, I can't go to church tonight. Why not? Because my mechanic fixed the air conditioner on my car. It's too cold. So by the time I get to church, I'm freezing. So I'm not going to church tonight. That's American Christianity. We call that softy ball. We call that a bunch of wimps. They're not authentic in their walk with God. They suffer nothing for the cause of Christ. Three times I was shipwrecked. I was led astray. I was abandoned. And night and a day I've been in, in the middle of the ocean. For who? For who? Can somebody tell me for who? For Christ. For the love of God. For the passion of a man that wants to please God and stand in his presence and hear the words, Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into your Lord's rest. Doors wide open. And so the Lord wants us and, and he, he urges for us to have this reality. See if there's another one. Verse 26. In journeys often, I've taken missionary trips all over the place. And if somebody were to ask me, are you crazy? We went into Nicaragua. They said, don't go there. The sand in this will kill Americans. They'll hold them hostage, kidnap you, and keep you. See, listen to me. This is Christ we're talking about. I'm not going on vacation. I'm not going because I have to see a beach. Miami Beach is awesome. I don't have to go to Nicaragua to see a beach. I'm going there to reach the lost for the glory of God. How about you, my friend? I didn't have time. See, I went, to, I went to Walt Disney four times last year, but I didn't have time to go on a missionary trip. I went to spring break five times. I didn't have time. I, I took time off. I didn't have time. Listen to me. COA, certificate of authenticity. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen, those people that don't understand me. In perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city. I was endangered in those deserts. I was endangered at sea. I was endangered amongst the hypocrites, the false Christians, all of us. In Revelations, he says, I know that you have tried those that have called themselves apostles and are not. Those that consider themselves prophets and are not. I know you've suffered that. I know we have all suffered that. But that is no reason not to press in to being a real Christian, a real God. Uh, Billy Graham says, you can tell a real Christian by his pocketbook. Wherever his money goes, that is where his treasure is. You can shout amen. That's a great indication. Where is your investment? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And if your heart is not into a thing, you are a phony, my friend. You're a phony. And so I used to tell men that used to come for a divorce in my office, I don't like my wife no more. How long have you been married? 25 years. How many kids do you have? Four. How many grandchildren? Three. And you don't like your wife no more? No. I said, I have a secret for you. I said, yeah, what's the secret? You don't like her anymore, right? No. Okay. Look, grab all your money and all your belongings and everything that is yours and give it to her. You're going to see how quick you fall in love with that woman. You're going to see how quick she becomes like a great-looking woman. Why? Because where your investment is, there your heart is also. If you don't invest in the kingdom of God, your heart is not there. And what do you invest, pastor? I have no money. Okay, then invest your time. 
You have time? No, I don't have time. I know you don't. That's why you're a phony. How about your talents? You have that? Give your time, your talents, and God will blow you up and you'll give treasure, big treasure to the kingdom of God. You'll have a witness. You'll have a witness. He says, from false brethren all the more. From those that are fakes, I've suffered. Verse 27. In weariness, I've been tired. How many have been tired and come to church anyways? You're a real Christian. You're dead tired and you say, I'm going to go anyways. Why? Because even when I was tired, I went. Even when I, was, I went to Mexico and they had an all-night vigil. I had worked 40 hours that week. I showed up on Friday and this guy plans a 12-hour vigil. So I had to be there all night long. And around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, I was snoring. I was like, oh, the apostle fell asleep. The man of God that came to visit us, he's snoring. But I was there. I was there pulling an all-nighter. I said, you guys are not spiritual because Jesus slept on the, on the boat. See, that's a spiritual thing. You guys aren't there yet. But I was there, and they know I was there. And they'll remember the day I was at 2 o'clock in the morning at a prayer vigil. Dead tired, but I showed up. Like some people did on Saturday this week. They were sleeping here, but at least they came. In toil and sleeping, in hunger and thirst and fasting, often we're doing the Isaiah 20, 58 fast. Last year people said, I'm not doing nothing, keeping, I'm not fasting because I've got to eat. Okay, this year we're, not, we're eating and you're still not fasting. So you're going to end up not COA, no certificate of authenticity. Every time there's something to do, you think of something different. I don't want you to be a part of this church, guaranteed. In coldness and nakedness, different times, times where there was no covering, I was still here. Times when I was cold, I was still here. Times where I didn't feel like coming, I was still here. In verse 28, it says, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for the church. You know what? Clarita, the real thing, COA approved. She, she says, I wish I could come to the English service because I want to know who's showing up and who's not. She doesn't speak English. She doesn't speak English, but her concern on a daily basis is your spiritual success, your prosperity, your growing in the Lord. She says, Pastor, I don't like this thing. You separate the Spanish and the English because when everybody was here, I would take counts, and I would see the sheep of the Lord. And if you love me, you will shepherd my sheep. If you love me, Peter, you will care for my own. If you love me, you'll concern for somebody other than you, my friend. There's no prosperity in you. There's prosperity outside of you. Job chapter 46 verse 10 says that when he had prayed for his friends, then his honor was restored. Then he received double of the things. 46.10. All things that God has for us restored double when we're the authentic. We recover value. Our currency means something. Our words mean something. He says there that he was Concerned on a daily basis. Verse 27, 28. Besides those things that are my experiences, what happens outside of me for being a Christian, there is a daily concern. There's a worrying for all the churches. I want to know, verse 20, 29, who are my deep concern for all the churches? Who is weak? Who is struggling? Who needs a hug? Who needs an embrace? Who is weak and I don't feel the same thing they feel? 
Certificate of authenticity. You care and are driven by the passions and concerns of those next to you. Who is made to stumble and I not burn with indignation? Who's tripping up somebody so they don't come to be real? Bible says better to tie a limestone around your neck and throw it into the ocean than to cause one of my little ones to stumble. That's Jesus. That's the reality of the Christ, of the cross. So he says like this in verse 30. I will, I must boast. I will boast in the things which concern my weaknesses. What for? Verse 31. The God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. He knows that I'm not a fake. I got a resume, a COA that confirms who I am in Christ. I am going ballistic for the Lord. I want to be known in all the earth as a man of God. I want the people everywhere I know to be talking about my, like, like the, the famous prophets of old says, I want to burn for the glory of the Lord and let people come and watch me burn. Watch me on fire for my God. Watch me for an instant, not to, not to rest, that I might perfect that which God has called me to perfect. So tonight, uh, I mean this morning, what we want to do is, is uh, real quickly, I got, I got five minutes here. Take inventory and, and get your COA here as, as we press into this. What is a real Christian? What is a man who is who is living for the glory of God in that manner. Number one, as you've noticed this morning, he has an unbridled passion for Christ. Listen to me. When Jesus is all you have, when Jesus is all you talk about, when Jesus is all that you offer, when Jesus is the one that transformed your family, he transformed your marriage, listen to me. I don't know you're talking about, uh, you know, Buddha and yoga, and I don't know what, uh, Calvin Klein or sushi or Gucci or whatever there is. Listen to me. Christ is the hallmark of our, 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 our cheer and our glory. Nobody could stand next to me for five minutes, and they're not hearing the word Jesus come out of my mouth. Because to he be all the glory. To he be all the honor. To him is all the greatness. So uh, certificate of authenticity. You do all things unto Christ. Whether you drink a glass of cup. Whether you eat at a good restaurant. You're not talking about the restaurant. You're talking about Jesus. You're talking about the Lord. You're talking about him. You, he's indescribable. You, you start saying you don't know how good he is with my life. You, you don't know what he's done in my life. And I could, start, I could talk for years about Jesus. How many say amen? For years about Jesus. I want my COA. And Jesus is at the forefront when people say, listen to me. This is Pastor Pedro, Calvary Chapel, Kendall, seven years ago. I've never met a man in my life that loves Jesus Christ more than Joaquin. I've never met a man in my life that loves Jesus Christ more than Pastor Joaquin. Why? Because listen to me, all I am is Christ. All I am is the glory of Christ. And so all I do is for his glory. My passion is to see the glory of God cover the earth. And there is no other name given to, to people. There is no other name given to man by which they might be saved than to Christ himself. So this unbridled passion for Christ is the hallmark of an authentic Christian. Everything he does, there is no excuse as to, no, I didn't do this because, listen to me, all we do is for him. Everything, 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 every word, every thought. We don't do anything. We don't have alliances. Listen to me. You know what alliance is? When you buddy with somebody. We don't have an alliance outside of Christ. 
We love what he loves. We speak what he speaks. We, we walk in what he walks. And he's dying for the authenticity of real Christians to come upon the earth. And so loving his word is another aspect of making him the truth. Uh, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will walk in obedience to my commands. Quit saying you're a Christian. And when you receive the commandment of the Lord, you have an opinion. You have a thought that's raised above his commandment. It's not a suggestion. If you love him, I love God. I just hate his commands. I love God, but his commands are burdensome. David used to say, your commandments, they're no hassle to me. They're not a burden to me. To do what you want is my pleasure. It's my life. I'll do it. I used to tell people, if I have to stand on my hands all day long in a corner for Christ's glory, I'll do it. Whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it is. If you love me, keep my word. Some of us don't even read the word. We need to read the word. John 15, 10, if you obey my commands, then you and I will remain in relationship. All these Christians that go around saying they're in relationship and they're not in obedience. You're no longer in relationship. You're a fraud. You're a jackass. You don't abide in his love. If you keep my words, that'll prove you love me. Just as I have kept my father's words and abide in relationship with him. I'm connected. 1 John 2, 3. We know that we have come to know him. How? Listen to me. This is how I speak to my children. I tell my children, listen, do you see me do what I want? No, Dad, you're not doing what you want. What are you seeing? You're doing what God's word says. You're doing what God wants. Okay, then if I'm doing what God wants, I'm in relationship with him. Now by this we know that we know him if we're connected to obeyed, obedience to his commands. There have a ton of Christians that have said, the grace of God allows me not to obey. You're a fraud, my friend. You're a fraud. You have no value in the kingdom. You have no value in ministry. If you don't keep his commandments, if there's not sacrificial obedience, there is no relationship. And so this takes us to stop pursuing sin. 1 John 3, 6. We love God. We love his word. We stop pursuing rebellion. We stop going for disobedience. That's something in our life that is dead. We're not walking in that direction because he who has forgiven much loves much. And he's forgiven me. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sinned has neither seen him nor knows him. How quick do we repent? Anybody have a suggestion? Instantly. At the moment. The pro- Guys, we're here Saturday morning. You saw pastor say sorry, right? I thought about staying at the back. I said, I'm going to let this one go. God says, I'm going to kill you. You go up and you repent. Because that's humility. There's, that'll deliver you from pride. That'll perfect you. Go and confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. Whoever abides in sin does not know him. Does not sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor knows him. You can tell we're quick to repent, quick to say we're sorry, quick to turn on the right direction. 1 John 5, uh, 6, 9. 1 John 6, uh, I mean 3, 3, 9. says like this. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. That, that seed that doesn't allow you to continue in rebellion and disobedience. He cannot sin because he's been born of God. If you see somebody that's comfortable with rebellion, disobedience, and sin and stays there, no COA, buddy. No authenticity. 
Your love for God would not allow you to pursue sin and to live in it and to stay in it. 1 John 5.18, we know that anyone who is born of God does not continue to remain in sin. The one who has been born of God, uh, because he is born of God, he's kept safe. Let's read it up there. But he who has been born of God keeps himself safe, and the wicked one cannot touch him. He has no grip on our lives because we are done with sin. We hate sin. Third John 1, 11. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Be an example of good things. That's what not, sin is not. Anyone who does, not, who does what is good is from God. Anyone who continues to do what is evil has not seen God. You cannot say you're a Christian and you abide in that which brings a stench to the nostrils of God. We did loving Christ, loving his word, and not sinning. Now, number four, loving others. This is a sign of your COA. You love others. Dear friend, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and is close in relationship to God. You don't care what people think. You don't care what people feel. You're not a Christian, my friend. You're stuck on you. A real Christian is worried about others. He says like this, 1 John 3, 14. We know that we no longer live in death, destruction, and darkness, and have passed to life because we love brethren. He who does not love his brother is stuck on a death route. No love for others. Now people say, I, 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 I wasn't hungry for the Lord. Listen to me. When you go to church, you're hungry for your brother, not the Lord. You're coming to see how he's doing. You're coming to pray for him. You're coming to have fellowship with those that are in the family of God. If you don't love church, you don't love God because God loves the church. Number five, hating the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith leads us out of the world. I don't even know. There's one Christian. He came to our men's meeting last year, and he says, well, there's a nightclub right there on Miami River. There's another one down the street. I don't know where the clubs are. I'll tell you why, because I don't go there. I'll tell you where every church in town is. I have fellowship with light. I have no fellowship with darkness. And they will come to the light. We'll reach out to them, but we're not going to fellowship with them in darkness. The Bible says clearly there, he who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2.15, do not entertain yourself with the love of the world. The love of the things in the world. Some people could tell you about every restaurant, every fad, every fashion. They can't memorize a Bible verse if you killed them. If you killed them, they'd have to call the pastor for a Bible verse. Because their heart is in the things of this world. Do not love the world. Do not love the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father's love is not in him. It's not connected. Last one. Loving truth. We said loving Christ, loving his word hating sin, loving others, hating the world, and now loving truth. Listen to me. If you don't love the truth, you're not of God. If somebody comes over to your life and shares truth with you and you shun it, my friend, that truth will set you free. That truth is your life. That truth is Christ. If you shun truth and avoid people who speak truth and cannot stand people who will come and teach you the truth in love, you will not grow in God. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, 
He will guide you towards every truth in your life. To all reality. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you about the things that are to come into your life. 2 Thessalonians 2.10, the Bible says there's a people here on earth that hate truth. They will mount up and go to churches where their ears will be tickled because they're not confronted. They will be tickled pink. Because the love of the truth is not in them. It says, and with all unrighteousness and deception, the Antichrist and those that will be with him among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth where they might be saved. Your COA comes from the fact that you're pressing into this. There's things in our lives all the time that show off inauthenticity. There's things that are fake, things that are not real, things you can't stand on, things that won't allow you to prosper. Get those things out of your life, my friend. Get fake friends out of your life. Get a fake ministry out of your life. Get a fake fellowship out of your life. Get a fake spiritual relationship out of your life. It will do you no good. You're to be sculptured into the image and likeness of Christ who suffered all things in obedience, suffered all things in truth, lived for the glory of his Father. He says, I do nothing without my Father telling me to do it. I live nothing that doesn't bring him glory and honor. Lord, I have finished the work you have given me to do upon the earth. I have glorified your name. Let's stand this morning. Just stand. And, and you know what? The passion of the Spirit of God is here this morning. The passion of the truth of God. God desires for us to reflect his glory. And when people are, are seeing a, a fake reality, and, and all of us have been introduced to, to fakers. All of us have been introduced of those people that, that try to pretend. It's in our generation greater than any other time that they're, listen to me, ready for this? In the baseball, athletic, celebrity memorabilia, they're faking COAs. Certificate of authenticities are being faked. They're getting imitation merchandise. And they're putting a fake stamp on it to give it more value to sell off to you. Listen to me. God wants us to be the real currency of the kingdom. He wants us to be real princes and real princesses. How? Because we live by his principles. The spirit of God is upon us. We cannot reflect deception, a fake, a fraud. I love when George Caracol tells his testimony of the first day he walked into this church two years ago. He says, I have a passion for youth in South Florida. I said, listen to me. When you're dealing with young people, there's one thing they cannot stand, and it's fakes. The youth cannot stand a faker. They would rather have somebody in the world who's real in their darkness than having a Christian go around saying hallelujah and does not have the glory of God to manifest. So do me a favor, I told him. Don't come saying you want to help the South Florida youth and you're a fraud. And at that point, he had a, a, a marijuana joint in his pocket. And the Lord told him, give it up so you'll be the real thing. And he says, no, this pastor will kill me. I'm not going to give up my joint because pastor's going to get upset. He's going to kick me out of his office for being a fraud. But you know what this young man did? He drove home and he called his wife. He says, I want to ask your forgiveness. And she says, why? What's going on? He, he says, I am a fake. I am a fraud. I don't know how to be a man. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. But I've met somebody today who's the real deal, and I want to be like him. I want, I want to be real in my life. And since that day, we've seen the glory of God. The glory of God. 
as God desires us to walk in truth at all times, in all places, with all people. You know, we're tempted. We're driving home, and, and we told our wife we would be home, and we cut through Burger King parking lot to drive through, and she says, why haven't you got home yet? She wants to know why. Well, um, uh, there's a lot of traffic. You're a fake. You're a phony. Cross over to reality and repent and, and, and restore yourself. Refresh yourself in the presence of God. Paul used to say, I am what I am through the grace of God in my life. I don't have to appear righteousness. I don't have to have a, an appearance of right. I just have to be humble enough to allow the grace of God to continue to perfect me. Paul was one of these guys who had another resume. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a persecutor. He said, all that I've thrown in the trash to become the real thing. All my religious garb, I put it away that I could become genuine. You know who you're a blessing to when you're genuine? Who are you a blessing to? Your own family. When you're genuine, your own family is refreshed by your relationship with God. They see the real thing. They want the real thing. Let's bow our heads this morning and pray. And say, Lord, only through your spirit of truth, only through the grace of God which abides in perfection of truth, only the true Christ, and not the pretend Christ that people are preaching, only the true ministry and anointing of God is able to transfer me from darkness to light, from death to life, from fake to real. Lord, let my worship to you become authentic and known in all places. Let my generosity, let my character, let my faithfulness and service to you be authentic. And even the angels will see this as they witness us, this great cloud of witnesses seeing us pursue the glory of Christ, the faithfulness to Christ, the reality of a church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish for your glory and honor through your spirit we pray that you give us a heart of repentance to turn from our inauthenticity from our disingenuousness from our not being sincere Lord and I pray oh God that you would do greater than what we have prayed and expect through the impartation of your word this morning in Jesus name we pray and the house of God says amen if you're here for the first time today